0: You can also take Steve's courses on Udemy or Skillshare, and you can find out more about those at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello,
1: you're listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with my wife, Cassandra. How are you today?
0: Good, how's it going?
1: Just another day in paradise. <laughs> and you know, Living the dream. Just, yeah, that's, that's true. It's, uh, I guess Valentine's Day was last week. I'm... It was. I'm glad I bought you all those flowers. (laughs) Anyhow, today is episode 247, and this is part two of mycotoxins and black mold. I think, you know, a lot of our listeners, mycotoxins is something they don't hear us talk about very often, so I figured, you know, we'd kind of dive into it. We're going to do one more part next week, which deals with the mitigation, remediation, whatever you want to call it. This week... I want to focus more on the health side of it.
0: And when you say health side, you mean how it affects people's bodies. Exactly.
1: We hear the term mycotoxins a lot. Like you showed me a video. Of, was it a gal on Instagram or Yes, because
0: it af- can affect your thyroid.
1: Yes. It can affect actually tons of things.
0: If you have autoimmune, Hashimoto's, the last thing you need is mycotoxin exposure.
1: Exactly. It's pretty serious. It's something... The reason we're trying to focus on it more, mycotoxins, in my opinion, are very commonly overlooked when it comes to mold mitigation, mold remediation, mold removal, and the mycotoxins can still make people sick. You can get rid of all the mold, but the mycotoxins are a totally different thing that was released by the mold.
0: That might still be in the home. Exactly,
1: yep. That's why when we talk about ozone... In my opinion ozone's very important to get rid of the mycotoxins. Correct.
0: And and I mean mold, didn't you say mold has a lot of species or a lot of yeah. uh, so but mycotoxins also seem like there's a lot of them in terms yeah. of type.
1: Yeah, they say there's like 3 to 400 compounds that are classified as as mycotoxins. Wow. So to to backtrack a little bit, there are many, and I don't know the exact number. There are many mold types. So when we talk about that, we're talking about Aspergillus, Penicillium, Claudosporium, Stachybotrys. Then on top of that, there's the species, which is like Stachybotrys chartarum, um, just different, like the subspecies are different. So even each mold type has probably 10, or I don't know how many, this is not, my expertise, different species. So, you know, just because it's aspergillus, it doesn't mean that all aspergillus mold species, which is underneath it, are toxigenic. Does that make sense?
0: Correct. But even if it's not toxigenic, it can still affect people differently, correct?
1: Correct. So you have, just so our listeners understand, we classify mold in three different categories. First one is allergenic. So you're going to have an allergic reaction to it, you take Benadryl, it goes away. Then the second one is pathogenic. So it has pathogens. It can cause infections and stuff like that. That obviously takes a little more to get rid of, like antibiotics. And then you have toxigenic. Those are the mold types that can produce mycotoxins. Okay. And like I said, there's there's a lot of them out there. Like for the Emma test, they test for, I think, 10 to, to 15 of the the toxigenic molds that affect humans.
0: Okay, so it's very complex, and it's so important to understand that if anybody in your home is immunocompromised in any way, shape, or form, this idea of mycotoxins should be of more importance to you because I'm figuring mycotoxins compromise your immune system even further.
1: Yes, and that's why, you know, when we interviewed Dr. Fox, she talked about limes. What this is what I've been told is is a lot of people actually have Lyme's disease, which is supposed to be from ticks. Now I I actually spoke to a different doctor, and she said that they're starting to see that you can have Lyme's and it's not from ticks. I don't know what it's from, but but it's no different than when we we talked about it last week. The science of this is evolving. It's not changing, but it's evolving. There's so much we don't know about. But anyhow. The reason that people find out they have limes is they actually, they typically can have it and it's, and it more or less stays dormant. It doesn't affect them. Then they get exposed to a toxic mold and have mycotoxins. And that's when it really just, for some reason, it wreaks havoc on because them because
0: their immune system is now further compromised.
1: Yes. Yep. I think, you know, we'll find out as far as on the science side of things, but I'll bet there's a correlation between limes and mycotoxins that between the two, having the two, it just really wreaks havoc on you. Does that make sense? It
0: does make sense. And I think, you know... The way I like to think of it, it's like your body's trying to fight your immune system is trying to fight a battle on many fronts, and it only has so many soldiers, and it only has so much in its arsenal, yep, so if your body is fighting you know to protect you against asthma, that's arsenal and little soldiers in the form of your cells that that are not fighting off the mycotoxins that are now in your exactly. body
1: yep, yeah, it's you know it's it's very important, like you said to understand that. Some people in the home could be really sick from it. And typically, you know, it's a child because children are affected more. You know, I, I was doing a little bit of research, and it was interesting to hear this, but th- those that are most affected by mycotoxins are children, elderly, and immunocompromised. Well, the reason they said that children are more susceptible to it is because they're actually shorter. They're closer to the ground. Mm, interesting. And so, they're probably inhaling spores. You're not as an adult. Plus, on top of that, their, their organs, lungs, liver, kidneys are still developing,
0: that's interesting. The other the other group I think they probably will eventually put in there that I don't think is in there yet are pregnant women and or women who are looking to become pregnant because pregnancy compromises the immune system. Right, You're trying to build another life. So your immune system is working overtime and then your body changes after you have a baby. So now you're, so people have to understand that what might not have affected you in terms of mycotoxins before you have a baby may be totally different once you have had a baby.
1: Yeah. Didn't, uh, when you talked to Dr. Fox, when we were doing the interview, didn't, didn't she, or weren't, weren't you two talking about That some mycotoxins can prevent you from getting pregnant? Absolutely.
0: They will adversely impact fertility. And Dr. Fox in that interview talked about recommending to her female patients that they take some months to detox. And clear their bodies before trying to get pregnant. Wow. So that's why something like at least having an awareness of mycotoxins so you can go ahead and test them through a urine or blood test makes so much sense to have a baseline.
1: Right. Just so
0: you know if there's anything mycotoxin related going on in your body.
1: That makes total sense. So just for our listeners, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are like, well, what are the symptoms? We've covered the symptoms of mold sickness and there's a bunch, and I'll go over the list here in a minute, but I do want our listeners to understand, and Dr. Fox said this, and we know this, there is a major difference between allergies and mold toxicity. It's huge. An allergy, you can take antihistamines, and it goes away. If you have mold toxicity, that's that's major. And so, for mold sickness and even with mycotoxins, with with mold toxicity, you get into the the brain fog. That's a huge one. Fatigue, uh, memory loss, anxiety, depression. Now go into more of just a mold allergy. You'll have more simple things like a rash. And and even if it's a rash, that tells me it's pathogenic. But you could have something as simple as a runny nose. You have crud in your throat. Headaches. Like, if you're, if you're only having things like headaches, and let's say I'm having headaches, but you have brain fog and all these other things, it's not fair for me to just go, oh, everything's fine, even if I don't have headaches. So, you know, I think we kind of went over, what's some other things as far as mold symptoms?
0: Oh, well, there's so many. There's depression. Yes. Um, there's vertigo, dizziness, uh, there's, I mean, cognitive delays. There's just so many things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, There's a ton.
0: There's a lot. Now here's the thing. Today's episode is all about giving you the awareness that to take mycotoxins seriously, to work with your doctor, somebody who is licensed and a professional in the healthcare industry, to help you do a urine or blood test. So who,
1: just just to, it's funny because I don't really get to ask you questions. Who? What type of doctor would they go to?
0: I would always say functional medicine doctor. Now, most people's insurance... Uh, Companies will not pay for functional medicine doctors, which means you will pay out of pocket, but it's worth its weight in gold, and here's why. Most of the time when you go to a normal general practitioner, family medicine, internal medicine doctor, they're in many cases going to poo-poo away the idea of mold sickness, mold exposure, mold toxicity, let alone mycotoxin toxicity. So either if you have to go see a regular doctor, make sure you do your homework, go to JAMA, Journal of American Medical Association, pull the research on these things, bring a copy for them and a copy for you. And the moment they start to say something like, well, that's not really an issue or we haven't studied Whip out your studies. Now, either you will piss the doctor off and that's a clue that they're not your doctor, you should fire them. Or they will partner with you because they're like, oh, this person came prepared and I need to do this research so I understand what it is. Either way, you win.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I say this all the time and, you know, we... We're trying to get this YouTube channel going. And and I, I say in it quite often on the call to actions, like, let's all learn together. A doctor that really cares is, is going to care enough to look at what you're presenting to them and go, wow, I can learn from this. And as crazy as it sounds, that doctor could end up being one of the top, you know, mold literate doctors in the world. But like you said, if you take your documentation, then you can show them. One thing I hear all the time And I think it happens a lot, and we're not taking shots at anybody in the medical field. But I believe there's a lot of gaslighting when it comes to the medical field. There's a ton of
0: medical gaslighting, and I'm taking shots of them.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) Dr. Mark Hyman is an amazing doctor. Dr. Peter Attia, who just produced a book, a 500, 600-page book about lifespan, is an amazing doctor. If you bring research to a doctor, and they're like, well, no, 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 I've got my own research. That's them saying that's code word for fire me, please. Yeah, well, Fire and, them.
1: And, and honestly, if they have their own research, I mean, you don't want to get in a debate with a doctor. Oh, yes,
0: you do. This or, is your health I, and your I, life. Yeah, get in but, a debate.
1: I mean, right there, sitting there, is what I yes. mean. And and if they, you know, if they have their own literature, have them show it to you.
0: Well, and if they, don't, I guess
1: my point is, is but if won't. you have well, to argue with the doctor, it's, it's not worth a it. Fire them. Yeah. But they,
0: at the end of the day, if they're going to quote their literature, ask them: Were randomized studies done? What was the sample size? Is this peer-reviewed research? What year was this research published? See, now you start asking these questions and they get all huffy puffy. You know why? (laughs) Because they can't answer the basic research questions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, going back to, you know, what we always say is is some people are not the right fit. Like I'm not the right fit for every person out there. There's, you know, this there's clients that, well, they weren't even, we didn't even get to them paying me anything that I've had to say, sorry, you're not a good fit for me. And they have to move to somebody different and that's okay. Okay. But it is a lot easier if they were to go find a mold literate doctor and Correct. they can do that. Dr. Fox mentioned it. It's called ICI, it's not ICI, how it's spelled. It's I S E A I. There's the Schumacher approved protocol doctors. I'm not going to say they're not great. The only concerns I have with them is they push the, the ERMI test and. I believe there's more to to your home than just an ermi test but it would probably help and I hear this quite often what about an allergy doctor most of the time when I've dealt with clients and they have an allergy doctor it usually doesn't work out
0: yeah all allergy doctors are not created equal right they're not going to tell you they're not really that smart a lot of them yeah. i said it they're not really that smart here's what we're going to do though on both the podcast and the YouTube channel we're going to bring you doctors we feel are mold literate we're going to bring you interviews with Physicians and healthcare practitioners. Yeah, don't, feel, don't be making know promises. Cause what I, they're doing, we're going to vet them.
1: I keep dragging before, my feet for that. So <laughs> before
0: they come on, <laughs> so that you actually have access to interviews with the, those people. So rather than you spending a ton of money just trying to get in with them. Through yeah. the podcast and through the YouTube channel, you'll actually get a good hour yeah. of time listening to Steve talk to them. And that gives you a strong sense of, do I feel like this person will really get me? Because even the literate ones, they might not be the right fit, a particular one for you. Right. So we're hoping in the future, over the next year or two, to use the podcast and the YouTube channel to introduce you to yeah. experts who may be a good fit for you at some point on your yeah. journey. Yeah.
1: And- you, all you listeners, are hearing it because Sandra's going to do all the all the oh, post production no. <laughs> and everything for <laughs> these doctors. We've got the
0: expert here to do all the things he <laughs> needs to do. But but
1: be prepared though. You know, one thing that that we know, and I know a lot of our listeners know. Be prepared if you're going to find a really good doctor. Most of them will not take insurance.
0: That's true. And be prepared that there could be months of a waiting list because if they're that good, typically yeah. they're they're booked two to three months out. Yeah, and, and again, you're not making decisions based on credentials and you're also not making decisions based on whether Steve or anybody else says this is the person for you. You're smart enough to decide for yourself after doing your due diligence who is right for you. The only person who knows that will always be yeah. you.
1: Yep. And, you know, I, I just watched a, a thing. I'm one of the those suckers for those Facebook reels and it was a funny video about person that hired a flooring guy and the, the person that, that created it had a he had a great point he said yeah if you call your con flooring contractor and they say to you i can be there tomorrow to put your floor in they're probably not the right guy cuz most reputable companies is going to be a week or so out and i feel it's the same way with a doctor if if they can get you in tomorrow they might not be the right doctor but on the other hand when you know speaking of all of this like like you said there's people that aren't right for me There's, I'm not going to sit here and act as if every client's for me. Be sure. That that doctors for you. Exactly.
0: And going back to the topic of this episode, be aware that looking into mycotoxins in your health is a complex problem that requires you building a team of people you really trust. There are 300 to 400 compounds that are classified as mycotoxins. You will need to get with a physician and do a urine or blood test. And then detoxing from mycotoxins is again a thing for which you would need the support of a healthcare team to figure it out.
1: While we're talking about this, I know we're we're getting to the point where we usually try to wrap this up, but one thing I want our listeners to hear from us, obviously I'm not the doctor side of things, but some of the most common, mostly affected mycotoxins, and I, I apologize to my listeners if I'm not pronouncing these correctly, but it's way out of what I usually deal with. But you have aflatoxins. Aflatoxins, there's like four other categories. So there's like aflatoxins B1. There's otratoxins that's spelled OCH. Like okra. Yes. Then there's, uh, tri-
0: Trichothecenes. Yes. Whatever that is.
1: It, yeah, it's spelled really, really weird. I'll spell it for our listeners: T R I C H O T H E C E N E S. That's why I didn't pronounce
0: it. if it were yes.
1: Greek. However it's pronounced, it's a, it's a tough one for me. And then you have like the gliotoxins. Then then, like you said, there's three to 400 of them, but those are the main ones. A lot of what I see from my clients, the otratoxins or okra toxins and aflatoxins are probably the most common that we see for mold sickness. And I just, I wanted to just name them so that our listeners are like, Oh yeah, I did some blood testing for mycotoxins and here's what it's showing. Yeah. Um, we have. Things we're creating. We don't have them completed yet, but you know, all these different mycotoxins are caused by certain mold species. Correct. We will have all that information at some point where
0: Absolutely. And it's just important to know that you you want to test the mycotoxins with a healthcare practitioner in your body, but you also want to test the mycotoxins that are in your home. And that's where Steve can really help you test the mycotoxins to see what's in your home.
1: Exactly. And it's a way to rule out or to understand if it's your home that's making you sick. Because, you know, let's just say it's a family of five and only one person's sick. Well, maybe it's, you know, the wife and she works you know, at a dental office. And maybe that's where she's being exposed. If you do mycotoxin testing in the home, we can rule that out. Now, does that mean if you do mycotoxin testing in the home, if it comes back negative, does that mean that, oh, for sure, you're getting sick at work? No. We could have to question how it was tested, where it was tested. So that's why it's important, like you said, that you get a team of people together. The mold specialist in the home is crucial. That's why, you know, going back to the ERMI test, that's why I have my hesitations about ERMI is is a lot of my clients that I've dealt with, I see it a lot of time on social media, they go do the ERMI test and they're like, what does this mean? An ERMI test by itself without having an inspection, there's no mycotoxin testing, it's very difficult for us to look at that and go, well, this is why. Does that make sense?
0: It does make sense. I also think that it's important for people to understand that, and I think we've covered this in previous episodes, when you are thinking of buying a new house, and I know lots of people when they're about to have a baby, they're looking to buy a new house because they need a bigger place. Your traditional home inspector is A, not doing mold testing to tell you about the, the indoor air quality as it relates to toxic mold of a house you might buy, they're certainly not doing mycotoxin testing. So it's not only, you not only want to do mycotoxin testing if you say, okay, we, we are in our home, but if you're thinking about buying a home, it's probably a really smart move yep. to do mycotoxin testing before you buy that home.
1: Yeah, and and to, to add on to that a little bit, most, and I'm not taking shots at any of the mold inspectors, our certification standards do not include mycotoxin testing. Even the greatest mold inspectors or mold assessors out there might not even do that type of testing. So even if you get a mold specialist in there, you need to make sure they're doing mycotoxin testing. And I never even thought about that. Like, you know, I wrote a book, Black Mold and Home Inspections, and I didn't even think about putting that EMMA test.
0: In the, in the mix of preparing to buy a house. Because let's say, yep. you know, two people, a couple decide they want to buy a house and she's six months pregnant. Yeah. Well, I think you want to know if the house you're planning on buying, exactly. what are the mycotoxin levels yep. going on in that house?
1: Yeah, They and, and also don't just assume, you know, we were just up in Billings, Montana, On a home, we were doing a warranty inspection, but it was obviously for mold reasons we were there. It was only nine months old, and we actually found visible mold in the home. Now, you know, without getting into any details, you know, it wasn't, the home was in pretty good shape. But my point is, is you can have mold in a brand new home. And that mold that we found, I think I told you about this, was literally a piece of wood that the contractor actually put in a mechanical room. That's how crazy that is. A contractor literally put moldy wood in a mechanical room, and it it just shows. I'm not saying it's a bad contractor, but to them, it could have been just discoloration. Even if it's a brand new home, you still should do mycotoxin
0: testing. 100%, because even a beautiful brand new home can be mold infested.
1: Exactly. And just so our listeners know, this mycotoxin testing in a home is totally different than your body. Absolutely, which is why you need a team. Exactly.
0: What's your call to action for people?
1: So one of the things I hear, probably most common thing I hear is is the husband's not sick. Usually it's the wife and the husband's sick. He just is too stubborn to admit it. But typically it's only one or two people in the home that are sick. Don't ignore anybody that's saying, hey, I feel like crap. I'm tired all the time. I have no energy. Like always look at, hey, it could be the indoor air quality and it could be mold. Exactly. So there you have it. We have several different consultation packages available on the website. I appreciate all of you for listening. This was episode 247 and we'll actually put the website in the description, but they should know www.cnccontractorservices.com. Yes, it is. Perfect. Have a wonderful day.